0: Two, one, loose ignition and liftoff, and all systems are good. Welcome to the Lesbo and the Bean universe. Lesbo and the Bean, LATB, Lat B, where mixed martial arts and the UFC get silly. Big silly. Buckle up and move your tray tables to their upright position. And please, somebody shut that baby up. It's time for Lesbo and the Bean.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. Long time no see, folks. And guess what? We got a heater coming up this weekend. It's going to be a fun breakdown. There's been a ton of UFC news. ton of fights coming out. Even seen some fighters go to mysterious lengths to not have babies. But uh, hopefully they're going to come out. Bryce uh. Mitchell is just one of the most gruesome photos I've seen in a long time. And it wasn't gory. It was just a pair of bloody boxers. and. Did you know that you could wrap your nutsack up in a drill?
0: I actually, in life, one time, the part about the story that rang truest to me. So this one of the fighters, Bryce Mitchell. Bryce Mitchell. He, was he doing overhead drilling? I was trying to follow the he, whole
1: story. He was, dr- he was doing some home construction. He had a drill in between his legs, uh, holding it as he was holding something above his hands. And the drill went off. Entangling his nutsack in the drill. He had presence of mind to be able to untangle it and go to the hospital, but his scrotum ripped right in half.
0: Yeah, the part of the story that just hit me I understand it's balls and all that and owie and everything. I have drilled through my finger oh, before. Ouch. And I had to reverse the drill and undrill it. And mm. that was the hardest part of keeping wherewithal. I cannot imagine ripping through my nutsack or my vagina in any way or even you know some other part that wasn't just my finger.
1: Inside of your leg.
0: And have to you have to like just breathe. And then you have to (laughs) click the drill to the other side and undrill it. And you like pull out but not too fast. It's such I can't even imagine ball sack. Which is so weird because I watched a story or a movie that I was going to recommend to you and your girl. Oh,
1: really? <laughs> yes. And it has uh, some really awesome Nutsack footage in it, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> Not Nutsack,
0: but P-N-I, um what? Dick. It is called The Package on Netflix. And... It is kind of a teen movie that we can't even believe we started watching to begin with. The cover of it is just an eggplant.
1: I have seen that <laughs> and been like, I don't because even know Because you what read this the about. Yeah. yeah
0: you're it's a teen movie. It would it would rarely come up on your thing. It would be deep in the feed or say like uh, it's
1: new, nude. isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's where I saw it. So it's too. a teen
0: movie, but the kid on it we've seen in another Netflix movie, like he must have signed a Netflix contract. And one of the girls on it is in the movie Blockers. She's one of the little teenagers that commits to losing her virginity on prom night. But <laughs> this movie, the guy, I don't want to give any of it away. It Perfect. made us L O L. Like, I can't believe it's so stupid. You have to like this is yeah, so it's stupid. Gonna, it's, gonna gotta, gotta, movie, it's gonna be a campy-ass movie, National Kind of thing. Um not the National Lampoon though, because oddly enough, there's a brand new National Lampoon movie out.
1: I don't. I stop giving a shit about those. Back no, when I it's was about a kid.
0: the guys who created the National Lampoon. Oh, Army. like a documentary. Um, no, like a movie. Like there's characters and the guy Will Forte, isn't okay. it? It's on Netflix as well. If you don't have Netflix and you, we, we don't. They don't even sponsor. But I feel like this is a good month. All these <laughs> I just gave them all those plugs. That's but true. But the package is about a guy, I can, feel like I can tell you a little bit about it, it probably doesn't the thing, he cuts his dick off,
1: Ooh. and his,
0: uh, his friends have to help him, help him, like, they're camping in the middle of nowhere, and they're like, oh my god, you just cut your dick off
1: well I could see the all sorts of fun antics you can get in after,
0: because that was a off. whole long story to get into to, for the ball rip. I had to link them together link it
1: all together. so uh, if you're a guy and you're listening watching your nuts around things, boys, cause <laughs> you don't want any of that to happen to you either way, that's Horrible. some of the
0: I hope everything works out okay.
1: right here Horrible. at Labby, we like to profile the number one male member, and we seem to kick off a long break with the right topics.
0: Yeah, so anyone that, if we're ever talking about, like, oh, Michelle Watterson has some good old juicy thighs, everyone's like, you're sexist. Well, we talk a lot about dick. We talk a lot about, maybe right before we started the podcast, how Luke Rockholt should be starring in some remakes of kick-tight Jean movies that John Claude Van Damme, those movies of the 90s. Luke Rockholz. We might stars, have been. So. We
1: might have been talking about before that. He's a little chinny. <laughs> so, anyways, what else is going on in the UFC world? Well, we got a hell of a fight night.
0: Can we also say how rad Bellator is getting?
1: Yes, Bellator is getting very fun. We did have some premier quality content prior to this Lincoln card coming up. Bellator's been showing off WSO or not the. World Series of Fighting is having fun fights. I'm watching all sorts of these local shows and being like, here at We Like the Tout, the evolution of the sport is coming from all these amateur Can I tell you something? Yes.
0: Uh, There is an old saying. Everyone's been saying wrong forever. We were talking about it the other night. And everyone's always been talking about how the early bird gets the worm early bird gets the worm well the whole saying is actually the early bird gets the worm but the second mouse gets the cheese so it's kind of a bigger reward for being second sometimes and so i always thought early bird gets the worm look at the ufc they're killing it i think the second mouse could get the cheese i think it could be more of a slow grow with bellator And their model could be a little different where they work around a lenient drug policy where they don't even try to pretend like we're the strictest of the strict with USADA. But then overall, John Jones has been tested one time in the last year. You know, they talk about how he's been in the pool, but he's only been tested one time. But then Daniel Cormier, let's say he's been tested nine or 11. How fair is that? The guy who's been already accused twice has been tested one time and the other guy's been tested 11. So there's... Usada's still picky and choosy. It's not... It's the same as every other one. So, I kind of maybe... Bellator could be where they end up with this division of things. I like the way they're doing the tournaments.
1: Love it, love it, love it. They're ending up
0: with Beasts over in Bellator. UFC, they don't want to lose Eddie back to Bellator.
1: There's no even Eddie. I feel like there's, as you're saying, up in Caldwell, who profiled this weekend... Um, there was also that sweet chin music with Connor's boy getting knocked out. Cleanly. Yeah. Cleanly. That's been the rave of the town. Definitely in the MMA world. Hey, Gallagher talked a lot of shit. Ended up getting uh, put in his place. And he has openly already come out and been like, he's going to keep doing it. That's his personality. Oh, yeah. He was at that's the VMA the next
0: night.
1: Not, not, was it the same night or the next night? Oh, I don't
0: know how I early don't, the fights would take Wait, place. never mind. Maybe. It
1: might have been the next night. But people were asking him. Whether he was going to take time off, and he's like, no, this is my job, which I do find refreshing. Maybe not so much the other antics, but the fact that, hey, a loss doesn't make me anything. Like, it's not going to stop my shit talk, because if you're a fighter, you got to have that mindset. No ifs, ands, or buts. The guys that half-ass it don't make it. You don't see those guys. Guys that are trying to be champs. So, trying to be champs, we have a fun, fun, fun fight night coming up. Is this a pay-per-view? Out of Lincoln, Nebraska 13 bout card? I think it might be just on. Yes, nope. is it?
0: I don't know what car I don't know where it's playing. Check your local listings, because we're always awful at that. So but it is out of Lincoln, Nebraska. It is. It's in a fight the night, the United so States, so it's States of America. On
1: fight pass, then it's gonna be on FS1. Finish out on FS one. We are gonna have a 13 card bout. A lot of veterans. Main event is a hell of a fun one. We've already started to break it down a little bit, but we're going to start from the bottom to the top with a two long, long veterans getting in at it. Luke Sanders against Hani Yaya at Bantamweight. These guys both have multiple fights in the UFC. Sanders only having two losses at 12-2, and both in the UFC coming off of a win against his last fight, Patrick Williams, who probably is no longer in the UFC, coming in against Hani Yaya, who's 25-9 25-9 on a two-fight winning streak. Last loss to Joe Soto decision, but since then has really been able to outwork Briones and Russell Donde in a submission. Hanyaya's biggest issue, we know he's a ground guy. He's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is on point. His wrestling has gotten a lot better, and it's always been his gas tank. Striking is what it's going to be at his advanced stage now. At 33, at the bantam weight, he should be. That's like 50 years old in a lot of other weight classes. It's unreal. Maybe not so much, but either way, his cardio has always been Honey Aya's issue in his last two fights. He really showed that his he's cardio like is. He's kind of like a point. little
0: Damien Maya, though, where Damien Maya is an old MF2. True,
1: true, he, true. And he true. has that
0: same style, just a smaller dude.
1: And I don't think he's evolving as much, Honey Aya. I think he's a great grappler. His shots are. If he it's just his gas tank that he's finally gotten under control because that's always been his biggest issue. He can take a mean punch as well. His striking, though, is, is very limited, and that's where he's his worst at, is if he keeps a fight striking for too long, he can get outpaced and outworked. And Luke Sanders is really a wrestler with also very limited striking. has a looping overhand right that he likes to spam a lot, and his look, footwork is very alpha male-ish-esque, even though he's coming out of Nashville MMA. Luke Sanders is a slight favorite as of right now. Minus 110 against Tani Aya. I think this is just a bad stylistic matchup for Sanders. He likes to shoot in a lot. And in multiple his two losses that he had, he was clearly winning those fights. But ended up getting caught in the last minute of pretty much each round. By being finished uh, via submission and or knockout. Luke Sanders is... Gonna have other tough fights in here. This is gonna be a hell of a scrap. I'm gonna have to stay away, let B play, as usual. But I'm gonna go with Yaya decision. I got a slight underdog to start the night off. Actually, this is a minus 120, so this is a coin flip of a fight. Minus 110, minus 120 for Yaya against Sanders. I don't know if I'm gonna play it much on my DK. How are you feeling about this first fight?
0: Ugh, this is a really risky fight. I think Yaya could get knocked out by Luke, and I think Luke could be submitted. I have Yaya submission. Um... Round two, into round two right now, middle of round two, but I'm going to stay away from this as well. I think it could go either way. This is a scary fight.
1: Super scary fight. 8300 for yards. This yaw. fight
0: could cost you your night, like where you're like, oh, first fight of the night and two of my DraftKings cards are whoop.
1: Yep, right out the door. Against Sanders, 7900 on DraftKings. Again, I'm going to probably find other spots on this night to be able to put that DK money away. Then we go to the 155 pound division, Drew Dover versus John Tuck. Drew Dover coming in with a 19-8 record against Tuck's 10-4. Tuck only mainly lo- losing in the UFC. Both of these guys have many, many fights in the UFC. Tuck coming off of a win against Takanori Gomi, who is the most slatable fighter we've had in a very long time. So Tuck, when push comes to shove against people like who were a few of his losses here. Josh Emmett via split decision. Damian Brown via split decision, and Kevin Lee via decision. In his UFC career, Tuck will give fights away as well. He blows out in the first round and really just pretty much stays in there by having a granite chin and taking punches until the fight's over. Drew Dober was a 170-pounder who was thick. Now he's at 155 pounds. He's a fucking monster absolute monster. He's a decided favorite here because Tuck on the ground doesn't have good takedown defense and his submissions are okay, but Drew Dober has that American wrestling. He likes to call himself a kickboxer, but really is just the more advanced MMA fighter all the way around. I think that this goes one-sided to Dober, maybe a finish in the third or fourth, but Tuck has that resilience and that's why he can stick around and beat some of these lower level guys by just being tougher than them. I think Dober's got a check in pretty much every spot here. Going with Dober for a decision. Who do you have for this fight of the night? Fight night.
0: Jeez. Even the Kevin Lee that Tuck lost to wasn't quite the Kevin Lee of today. Kevin Lee was losing back then, but he figured something out in his you game. He moved up in weight. Truth. <laughs> no, that 155. That's still where Kevin Lee fights. No.
1: He was a 145er who moved up to 55. Tuck as well was a 145er who moved oh, up. Dude Dober's 170 true. who moved down to 155. Mm. This is gonna be a fucking humongous size difference, and but that's why it's minus 200 for Dude Dober right now. I
0: don't know, Dude Dober doesn't he have problem making weight? We've seen it in the past.
1: I don't. I don't think I have.
0: I don't know. I don't want to look it up, but that makes me a little nervous. Yeah, then Dober, I. guess. Guest because he's going to be such an enormous guy if John Tuck came up. And I was not, ne- I just can't ever get on the Tuck train. Tuck is 5'11. I know, Against but Against 5'8. Just, Dober? He's not a guy that is what has ever been one of my favorites. I think that Drew Dober can add it as another, you know, person that he beats. I'm going to put KO round two. He does have that kind of power, and if he was that, if he was a 145-er at one point, I didn't know that
1: for Tuck. For Tuck, yeah, 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 yeah. He's definitely been a lighter guy. I attention. He doesn't fight as much as uh, you would think. I think in like, oh, three years. Since three years, he's fought three times. One a year, that's a rough one. 8,900 for Dober against 7,300 for John Tuck. Ugh, that's a little steep. We need a finish for Dober there on my DraftKings maybe later on in the night how it goes it's a steep price for a decision in my eyes do you think you're going to play dober much here no and yeah, I, I, agree. I i just
0: I'm, I'm not very excited for it and even the people that he's beat though like the knockout against berkman i kind of feel the same way about if he knocks out tuck like it's Gobi. one of those things <laughs> i'm going to look back at that i'm going to it's going to make me question like oh, it was josh berkman you know yep it was john tuck
1: i totally agree totally agree uh, I think that that could be a potential fight of the night, though. I think that those these guys can really scrap at it. You think it's gonna no. be more? No. All right. We'll see. It might maybe, be
0: a good. I just think Tuck or um, Drew Dover can knock him out. He's well, just if he's gonna be that much bigger than him decisively, because I always think Drew Dover looks big out anyway. At one, yeah,
1: at one seventy, he was yeah, not a small so. guy. Well, maybe this one'll light your fire with. Calindra Ferreira against Joanne JoJo Calderwood at 125 pounds. Calderwood 11 and three, only lost in the UFC coming out of the show. Her last two losses have been to Jessica Andraj and Cynthia Calvillo in a decision. Ferreira has lost two in a row at 18 and seven against her UFC competition at, against debuting Barella and as well. Jessica I via split decision and if you got a loss to Jessica I in our eyes. But
0: we did say Jessica I looked better than she's ever looked.
1: Ever. Ever ever. Like
0: maybe 125 is her gig.
1: And with this fight, uh the thing that I just can't trust with the decided favorite here is always Joanne Calderwood. She's flopped in a couple fights just Great. because she said that she mentally she hasn't been in the right place. So what that really tells us is that she has external factors that can really F her up, and it's just not reliable. She, I don't know how she could ever be over a uh, 2-1 to one favorite, and she's not here at a minus 160. She's almost there, but I do think if Calderwood is, has all her ducks in a row, that she beats Ferreira everywhere, striking, on the ground, pace. I mean, Calderwood Does has Luther a good go straight left. I don't think Calderwood goes home. Ferreira does, because Calderwood has lost to top five, top ten women, and Ferreira has lost to nobody, nobodies, so I think this is a make or break for Ferreira, who tends to be a striker, has no good takedown defense at all, and Calderwood actually recently got on and talked about how she moved camps, got out of TriStar, her last two losses being at TriStar, and has been with actually a team, I think she's training, training with Team Oyama, could be wrong on that. But um, I know that she is training with a few other UFC women in her weight class or under her. I got Calderwood here decision. I'm just going to stay away from this just because Calderwood could watch a bad commercial on the way into the ring. And uh, we're fucked so. is. Like,
0: I don't even want to throw it Yeah, exactly. I, I still won my fight and you still only got 32 points on your DK.
1: I got Calderwood decision. Who would you pick? Same. At- 8,800 for Calderwood against 7,400 for Ferreira. Is there a play anywhere there? I agree with that. Dang. Maybe this fun fight night isn't such a fun fight night yeah. Wait, we're little. This is not even...
0: It hasn't even started for the profile fights.
1: Yeah, true that, true that. Then we go to Mickey Gall against George Sullivan. Both of these young men have had multiple fights at 170 pounds. Sullivan coming in at a ripe age of 37 years old. He's on a two-fight losing streak being 17 and 6. His last two losses are to Alexander Volkov, Volkanov and the last one was, who do we have here? Woo. Can't gather it. Either way, Mickey Galls coming in with a 4-1 and record, losing to Randy Brown decidedly on the ground, really showed we hit Mickey Galls' deficiencies. He's supposed to be an elite ground guy. Didn't look that elite against uh, Randy Brown, who just got knocked out off of his back against Nico Price. But don't
0: you like Randy Brown? Don't you think he is
1: full of skill set? I would agree with that, and we just saw a gaping hole in Mickey Gall's game. His striking is also very limited, and an aging Sullivan is still top way more top-level competition than a lot of other guys that he's fought in there. So Mickey Gall beating Sage Northcutt and CM Punk, I mean, Sullivan would easily, I would say, beat those guys. Maybe Northcutt, that'd be a good test for him next. Sullivan, He's
0: already
1: fought Cut. Sullivan has? Oh, not Sullivan. I'm sorry. I was Mickey. thinking of Mickey. Oh, yeah, no. But Mickey Gall, not Mickey Gall, uh, George Sullivan, his last loss is also Nico Price via submission six months ago, so they have, well, I, they're kind of tied in MMA in there. George Sullivan, though, stiff, rigid punches, has a good gas tank, is tough as nails, and on the ground is a black belt, has been a black belt for a very long time, and Mickey Gall's still only a purple belt. I know it's a UFC purple belt. His striking is coming along. I do think that Mickey Gall is the fighter who's going to grow leaps and bounds in every fight. So we could see a brand new Mickey Gall right now. At 26 years old, we can really see a big step up from his first loss. And that's when we usually tend to see it with these guys. Is now Mickey Gall's like, ooh, I need to beat Randy Brown level us guys. I need to re- get after it. So I got Gall decision here, but I'm going to really be tentative here because I think if you think Sullivan has a chance at all, you should play him heavily. There is avenues for the fight to get onto the ground and on the ground, we have seen Mickey Gall can get outworked. Sullivan can do that, make it a grinding match. How do you feel this one goes down?
0: I think even though the height says six, two to six foot in Mickey Gall's favor, I think Mickey Gall has really long arms and I think he's gonna pull out a submission here. It might take him three rounds to do it, maybe the end of round two. I just think he has some kind of weird length. So even though he is only a purple belt to a black belt, I didn't really know that about Sullivan because I don't even really recall him on the ground so much in his last couple of fights. Um, So if they both tend to stay standing... You know, Mickey was a young guy, and going in the UFC, it's easy to look bad, but he still beats Sage, and I think Sage has more power than Sullivan, so I'm not really worried so much about Mickey getting knocked out, but the other thing's true, didn't Mickey move up in weight? Wasn't he at 155 at one point, or does he want to go down to 155? No, he but the challenged
1: Sage Northcutt, and Northcutt was like, okay, I'll go to 170.
0: Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, that's
1: what happened. That's. Does what Mickey Gall
0: want to go down to 155? I
1: think he's talked about it, but he hasn't done it yet. But, yeah, I do feel like he's Anyways, about it. Anyways, I
0: that. have Gall submission, but I totally agree with everything you're saying. I think Sullivan is like a grimy old dog. Yep. Like, he's seen
1: all the tricks. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. Mickey Gall, 9,200 against 7,000 for Sullivan. I'm not putting Gall in a lot of spots there. No. Unless you see a finish... I will play them on a couple cards, but 9-2 is a hard price to pay off. You pretty much got to get a finish in the first. Then we go to the middleweights. Andrew Sanchez versus Marcus Perez. Both of these guys coming off of UFC shows. Perez, I believe, was off of the Contender Series. Coming in, losing against Anders in a decision. And then beating James... Bukhadovich three months ago. Andrew Sanchez coming off of the Contender Series, but getting his last two losses against Anthony Smith a year ago, and then last losing to Ryan James in one of the best comebacks of the year. Ryan James got picked apart for one round, and then Andrew Sanchez gassed with a bad chin. Andrew Sanchez has everything he needs in a fight to be a top-level contender, other than he can't take a punch, and He's been gassing so his wrestling's on point he has good position and submission and his striking is a horrible but he really wants to get those fights to the ground but if his gas tank doesn't hold up which it hasn't it's really something I can't put any weight into Perez has shown us that he can go to decision if need be I'd say anders is the is a uh, really looking like a good fighter in there and Perez was. Not completely out of that fight, he showed he had a lot of heart in there and is crafty on the ground as well. I want to go with Sanchez because i he's one of those fighters that will be winning all three rounds, and then all of a sudden need a punch and it'll be over and for that reason, I'm gonna say that in this fight, Andrew Sanchez wins three minutes of each round and then gets hurt at some point in town. And, at some point in time and then gives the round to Perez, even though Perez isn't the best guy in there right now. it's just fading more Sanchez. I'm gonna go with decision Perez. I'm gonna be sketchy and not not be spot on or not put this heavily anywhere as well. I'm gonna sit back and enjoy it. How do you feel this one goes down tentative fight near even odd or near even odds minus one thirty Perez against the plus 100.
0: Um, I have Perez submission round two, and I kind of have it handedly. I think San Andrew gasses himself. He tries for a knockout punch, and I don't think he's going to find it here. I know he found it against Ryan James, but I think Ryan James is not necessarily UFC caliber. I don't know if I ever thought he was. I, so, I thought you really
1: liked Ryan James in that last fight against Sanchez because you had James, and he fucking showed up. He showed up.
0: I know, and I was surprised at first, but I just also, um...
1: James came back and whooped his ass. Did he,
0: um... Yeah, I know, he lost to James.
1: No. No, he almost knocked out James. And James took a beating for the first round, and then Sanchez got so bad that James came back and fucking kicked the shit out of That's Sanchez. That's what I'm
0: saying, is he lost to James, and I don't oh, think James yeah. is UFC caliber. Oh, okay,
1: okay. Yes, yeah, sorry. We were saying the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but
0: Marcus uh, Perez, I do think he is. I think he's one to watch. So Perez submission round two. Eight thousand two
1: hundred for Perez against eight thousand Sanchez. I'm gonna put Perez on a few cards. I do too. How much? How much did you say it was? Eight thousand two against eight thousand.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna need some of those medium guys to afford anything at this point.
1: Right. And at Bantamweight, we're going to have a hell of a fun fight. This one's some a fight that I think I'm going to try to profile. We have Corey Samhagen, 8-1 against Yuri Alcantara, 36-9. Longtime veteran, Alcantara is now 38 years old at Bantamweight. If I was saying homeboy at 33 was ancient, this guy's pretty much a fossil. Alcantara, great on-the-ground submission Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. Good striking, has good Muay Thai. Gas tank is serviceable. He's one of these guys that will be winning a fight until he's not. Against Uriah Faber, it was a 29-28. 20, it was a 30-28 round against Faber. I mean, 10-8 round. And then Alcantara's gas tank slash. I don't know what happened. Just gave up, and Uriah Faber came back and won that fight. But Alcantara has the those moments in fights where he looks unbelievable, and then the very next minute, you're just like, Wow, is this guy a Brown belt, is this guy way lower than he needs to be? Sam Hagen has come in and made a splash in the UFC, getting a knockout via body shot against Dustin Arnett six months ago. Really loved how Sam Hagen went from the body to the head. Good clean boxing, a good wrestler. On the ground, we haven't seen him as much, and Yuri Alcantara is definitely a humongous step up here. A lot of people that were still on Sam Hagen because on the regional scene, he's been able to put... Beautiful combinations together, has great footwork and is showing us these young guys are bringing it all together. Coming out of Elevation, Tank, uh, Elevation Fight Team, you know he's training with TJ. You know he's got all those other guys in his back pocket. I also have Sam, Megan, Sam Hagen here. I've seen him go three rounds before. Again, they're not the level of Yuri Alcantara, but I think this is more of a fade on Alcantara than anything. Alcantara is coming off of a win his last fight. Against Joe Soto, TKO punches six months ago, but I think I'd pick Sam Hagan over Soto as well in this position. So I'm gonna go with Sam Hagan via TKO round number three. I think it's a beating until Alcantara is just like, no well, man, I'm 38 years old. I don't need to keep getting my ass whooped like this by these young up and comers. Who do you have in this fight?
0: I could totally see that happening. I. It isn't because it's just a wear on Alcantara. I also think Sandhagen's one to watch. I think it's like the perfect meeting of a guy. I think this is a potential fight of the night fight. Totally. I think this is going to be everything. And if it is finished, it's not going to be from Alcantara's chin. It's going to be from a body shot. Um, gosh, I don't know what the cost is for both guys, but I think there's going to be so many points in this fight um, This could be money
1: on your card. So, nine thousand for Corey Samhagen against seven thousand two hundred for Alcantara. Is Alcantara a wager gauge? There,
0: I have Samhagen decision. You have a KO, finish KO round three. three. I think Alcantara can throw enough
1: to be the wager gauger there potentially yeah. for that low. how
0: much did you say he was? 7-2. Seven. Seven, yeah, I think he actually could be a great wager gauger. I don't see him getting knocked out. I think he has a good chin. It's a
1: tough test. It's a tough test for Sam Hagen, not for our control, because he's been in there against elites as, as well, so that veteranship really takes you far. Against our knight, he was able to overwhelm him and just make him look bad. Yuri's got a little more depth to that game, but I am putting a lot of weight into that fight team, into that TJ It isn't
0: because training. I think uh, Alcantara will throw less punches. I just think that Sanhiggins are going to be a little more devastating. And I know how – ju- I'm goal. trying to start – instead of who I think's going to win, I'm trying to put judges into factor. We're in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's going to be so, you know, where it's –
1: do you want the, the American boy to win? And the <laughs> three-punch
0: combinations um, that are more devastating might matter more than pitter-patter of eight. It's a weird... It's It depends on where you're at. And I think, you know, America likes
1: the dropped-in bombs. <laughs> so we're going to have another Lincoln, pro. Nebraska.
0: And they also might pay attention to a lot of wrestling. It should oh, be yeah. smart with transitions oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they, getting scored.
1: I, I yeah. think they're going to have a good crowd there as well. Hopefully, they come out, local Nebraskans. And for a profile fight on Fight Pass, this is one that also could be Fight of the Night. Yuri Contra is already on there for a potential Fight of the Night. And we have another showstopper with James Krause against Worley Alves. This is, ooh, a fucking amazing fight. I know that people are saying, hey, Worley Alves, 12 and 2, only lost in the UFC against Usman and freaking, who's the Barbarina. other? Guy? Barbarina. Barbarina. Uh, Who is our forever underdog. Exactly. Uh, Sultan Aliev via TKO. Dr. Stoppage. Eye injury three months ago for Worley Alves. And also Salam Tahuri decision. Alves' gas tank can be taxed. And that's how you tend to get Worley Alves out of there. He has powerful strikes, throws very looping punches, and on the ground is all sorts of a black belt coming out of um, Brazil. He has... Submissions over elite guys like Colby Covington as well early on in Covington's career. Well, Worley Alves's guillotine is his best defense in there, and James Kraus doesn't really shoot that much. He's a good striker, long for the division, uses his length well. Twenty-five and seven, uh, he is a moderate underdog at pl- at plus three thirty against Worley Alves minus five hundred. Um, if there's a guy that would. To me, more likely take it to the ground. It's going to be Worley Alves wanting to get it there because I think standing, Kraus is way craftier of a striker. On the ground, Kraus can get outworked a bit. We did see that on the show, and we've seen it in other fights for him. But this is just so much closer than the odds have it for me. I see so much value, if you could say that, for James Kraus in here, that I have him in a decision. I think he's a smart fighter. I think, as you're saying, Nebraska plays a factor here. I think the takedown defense that Krauss has is going to dictate where this fight stays. In this fight, if it stays standing, the only times Tra- Krauss is going to be in trouble is going to be that first round. Once Krauss gets out of there, I think he wins the second and third round handedly in a pitter-patter because of that striking. And I got, oh, humongous underdog. We got wow. a big boy here with James Krauss in a decision. How you like that? Wow. Um,
0: I have it totally the other way. I think Alves is a huge step up, and I'm surprised that it's such a huge underdog for James Krause. I think the fight should be closer, like you're saying. Um, I just think James Krause has not had the level of competition that Worley Alves is. And maybe everyone can be like, look at those two losses. Now look at what we know of Kemaru Usman. Like, are you kidding yep. me? So to go to decision with Usman is um, a stretch in itself. And I think James Krause isn't as good as Usman there. Um, I don't think it's going to be that route,
1: though. It's not going to be a wrestling route. It's going to be a striking route going to be killing by a I got
0: Alves by decision I think he can hold him down and smother him and it's going to happen eventually so ho- you know hopefully the takedown defense is there and that would make it go your way but I don't think James Krause is a walkthrough at all and if he this is his fight though that gets him to the big boys
1: if he gets through Worley Alves, he immediately... Yeah,
0: this is the one.
1: Definitely. And
0: I love James Krause here. I do like him as a hot underdog pick. I do see everything you're talking about, but I just have Worley Alves' decision.
1: I like it. I like it. You got to stick to your gun sometimes, and Worley Alves, 9,300 against James Krause, 6,900 on DraftKings. You, if you're going with a bean, you know you're going to be putting Krause... I'd say 60% of my cards. Can't go 100% because it's a big underdog, but he's going to let me afford some of these heavyweights that I'm going to want later on on the night. Fun fight of the night. I think also potential fight of the night. Perfect prelim. It should be on the main card. It does start off the main card, so it has that. I like that it's profiled there, but then we're going to open up. Isn't it just the prelim card? It's the headliner prelim. Yeah,
0: it should be on the main card though. There's oh, yeah. there's definitely fights on the main card that could swap places with that and it would make more sense.
1: I could see that. Totally. And opening up the main card, we have Eric Anders coming in against Tim Williams. Anders being 10 and 1, getting his first loss ever against Lodo Machi Lodo Machida 6 months ago in a split decision, and Tim Williams being 15 and 4 losing. Mr. Williams. Losing to who? Who was his first loss in the UFC against Oscar Pichota? Uh, Who is
0: frightening AF?
1: (laughs) I think he just lost this fight, didn't he, Pichota? Probably. I think it was. Has no memory. So no short
0: term. In front of me. (laughs) Neither does he. I
1: feel like he was done. (laughs) (laughs) So. Anders is a humongous favorite, probably one of the biggest of the fight tonight, night, and we all see why. Tim Williams has not fight fought anyone of the level of Anders. Anders has gotten through a few top level guys having a few fights in the UFC now.
0: I mean he lost to a juiced up Leota Machida. Yeah.
1: But prior to that, he beat Rafael <laughs> Natal, he beat Marcus Perez in a decision. Um He's been tested in there a few times. Williams hasn't looked well in there at all, and uh, everyone sees it. It's a knockout. Anders has got tons of power, good takedown defense, and Leono Machito with a lifetime of bag of tricks in there. I just haven't seen Tim Williams use half of that type of movement in order to put a game plan good enough together. I think this could actually be a really boring fight because I think Tim Williams isn't going to want to strike. He doesn't want to deal with that power, and he's going to try to push Anders against the fence the entire time. But I do have Anders, TKO round number one.
0: (laughs) Me too. I think it's going to be a quick fight. I don't think there's going to be anything boring about it. I think he's going to want to push him up against the fence, and Eric Anders is going to set up a nice combination with some devastating elbows, an uppercut. I don't think you want to get in that close quarter range with Eric Anders. We saw what happened to Mike Perry. Isn't that who he fought? Marcus
1: Perez. Oh, no. No, I don't think he fought Perry. Perry's, yeah, he's 185.
0: Oh, yeah, I always get the... Um, yeah, Marcus Perez, Perez, but yeah, I think he's a, I think he's devastating, devastating power, and I think this is almost a set-up fight for him.
1: Uh, minus 900, that's almost, uh, Valentina Shevchenko versus Montano that's Money. That's a little cry,
0: that's a little cry,
1: but <laughs> maybe almost, everybody
0: sees what, I, what we see, we both have KO round one.
1: We were talking about Shev versus Montano real quick, and how that was at minus 700, and we're like, dang, that... That's pretty heavy. Yeah, it's like minus 1,100 now. It should be. It's unreal. There's never been a champion with that type of odds against them. Somebody,
0: I felt like Ronda had a, who, somebody had a 1,200, no? I don't think so. Oh, a champion with that kind a of champion. odds. Uh, a yeah, champion. Against them, yeah. Against okay. the uh, okay. against the number like... one
1: contender? That's nuts. Okay. So, just saying, uh, if you thought the juice was, whoa. But the bullet is looking
0: so cute, like she has a stylist or something. Her
1: insta's getting on point, that Graham's on point. Yeah. I agree, I agree, I enjoy it. Definitely give her a follow there. But then we go to the 125ers with John Moraga against Divisio Figueroa. And both of these fighters, 14 and 0 for Figueroa against Moraga's 19 and 6. Moraga has by far the more decorated career in there. Losing to people like Demetrius Johnson and who else in there? Matthew Nicolau, which we just saw Nicolau get starched. But either way, Moraga's come on a three-fight winning streak beating, was it Balutinov? Where here at lap B, Moraga came through for us. (laughs) One of the biggest underdogs we've had in a very long time. Then his last decision over, Wilson Haste. Wilson Haste, a shell of himself as well. Moraga's got a tough task ahead of him. A lot of people are liking Figueroa for uh, being a top. I think he's number 14 right now at flyweight division. Devastating power. Great Muay Thai on the ground. A great scrambler. We haven't seen it. We've seen his gas tanky He's Figueroa tends to slow down a little bit. But we haven't seen him in, in there against a good wrestler. And John Moraga can do that exact thing. Joey Beltran is a win for him. Jared Brooks split decision. So I guess that's a really good wrestler that Figueroa does have a uh, win over. And Moraga needs to use more of that wrestling game plan in order to be in this fight. I think Figueroa can keep it standing and win a point fight like I was saying earlier in the night. This is a really fun scramble. This has a potential for fight of the night. Because both of these boys can bang. Moraga has that type of power as well and we have seen it showcased in the UFC a few times. I got the slight favorite here in Figueroa. I think it's a decision but uh, there's money to be made on Moraga here. I think Moraga is super live dog. I'm not going to be as heavy as I would be against other positions for Figueroa because I think he has easier fights in the UFC. Moraga is a sneakily hard fight that people overlook a lot of the time. Um, but I do think that this goes to decision figure how do you feel this one goes down
0: i'm not as high on jared brooks as everyone else so the split decision there was this on me hmm skeptical hmm. hippo hmm john Moraga's is the real deal mm-hmm. and only loses to the real deal i got moraga decision and i think this is that close of a fight it is a super close fight it's going to be a quick little banger quick little banger but i think moraga can um hold down and wear out Figueroa. his body type it just wears away all of his um cardio yeah and i think moraga can wear out that cardio i agree and not with worry that. about the punches I totally and keep getting get inside and taking down getting inside and taking down so moraga
1: decision eight thousand four hundred for davisio Against Moraga, 7,800. I, I might split... I'm going to actually probably profile Moraga here more than I would Figueroa. I, I think so. And my DraftKings. For that value a little bit there. Uh, but I am going to mix it up and put both of those guys. Because it's going to be, again, really high-paced fight. I don't see how those guys don't score a lot. And then we go to... Wow. Perennial underdog. Perennial at-be-favorite. Brian Barberina against Jake Ellenberger at 170 pounds. Ellenberger, long time, 31-14 career, coming off of a three-fight losing streak. We almost saw Jake Ellenberg die last time in there against Mike Perry. One of these guys that we perennially say here, please retire. Doesn't matter who it is in there. It's just your time has come. Ellenberger's had a hell of a career and been in enough battles.
0: This is going to be a bloody fight. You already know it ahead of time. Both guys uh, are bleeders.
1: They are bleeders. Barbarina, 13-5, and five, coming off of a loss to Leon Edwards where Barbarina's gas tank was really tested in the wrestling there. Edwards came through and showed beating Joe Proctor in a TKO. Barbarina's gotten more into that slugging mentality, but he's a grinder. That's why we tend to like him here at Lappy. He can put in uh, his head down, keep going for shots, and eventually just wear your ass out. Against Jake Ellenberger, to wear him out in that fashion, I think it'll eventually just give up the finish and by no means is Barbarina a finisher, even though he gets a lot of finishes in there, and it's due to the grind. And it just—it's this is a fade all over Jake Ellenberger. It doesn't matter what it is. Jake Ellenberger's twisted his ankle and lost a fight in there. He's been killed in there. He's just had really weird things that happen, and it's—he's one of the unluckiest guys. And, and he'll two say himself. months
0: ago, <sighs> what in the hell?
1: So. That's why it's a minus 500. He's
0: from Nebraska is
1: why. Oh, Even more of a reason not to do it because you're going to go out on a stretcher and say you retire in there, but you're going to probably have to wake up and be like, where am I? For no reason. For no reason. Uh, Brian Barberina, I think, knows this as well. Going to put his head down and just punch until Jake Ellenberger isn't there anymore. I got TKO round number one for Barberina. Heavy, heavy favorite. Who do you have? here. Same. Yeah. 9,500 against 6,700.
0: Same. Brian Barberin or um, Jake Ellenberger don't do this anymore. And so close. What are you trying to do? Like, what are you trying to prove? I understand money like you've made whatever money you have rang this sponge of MMA dry. You got to figure out another way now. You got to figure out another way.
1: Totally agree. Totally agree. 9, but he's probably
0: grandfathered into an old-ass contract, and he's probably making, like, crazy money.
1: I guarantee you he is. At 33 and whatever, yeah, he's yeah. making bank for those appearances. Then we have 9,500 on DraftKings against 6-7. I'm going to put Barbarina in a lot of spots. That's why I'm going to have agree. to pick other fights there. We saw nine thousand for, for Anders as well. These are below the DraftKings prices. Yeah. But, minus nine. Then we go to the straw weights. Angela Hill against Courtney Casey. We've seen both of these ladies get it done in there. Courtney Casey being seven and six, coming off of a two-fight losing streak. Losing her last fight to Michelle Watterson, people. Michelle (laughs) Watterson. Just so you know, it was a split decision. And also (laughs) losing a split decision to Felice Herring against (laughs) Angela Hill, who's coming off of a win against... But Felice Mario Herring Minotis. has tightened
0: up her game.
1: I would agree. I would agree. Felice Herring is but a much Michelle better
0: Watterson, people, well, Michelle Watterson, people. come on.
1: Michelle Watterson. Angela Hill losing to Nina Asneroff, but getting a win in there, or losing to Androsh, getting a couple wins to Yoder as well. We know what both of these ladies bring. Kickboxing a lot of Keon from the Casey herself. She's going to be letting you know where she's coming in where Angela Hill has that good Muay Thai, has really started to bring it around. Her takedown defense has gotten way better her second time around in the UFC. She never deserved to leave. She's fought the way higher caliber. Striking-wise, I give the output slightly to Casey, but I give the more precision shots by far to Angela here. Angela Hill here, and I think that's going to really limit the entries for Casey. She's then going to go to the takedowns, and... When she isn't able to take Angela Hill down, then it's a matter of time before Hill points out a decision. I don't see a finish here at all. Um, I think you're going to be able to make a mixed drink in between this one and still have some of fight left. It's going to go the full 15 all the way around. I mean, I'm going to probably profile it. This is one of those switches that you were talking about earlier potentially for me. But I do have Hill in the decision. How do you go?
0: I think Hill, in an easy decision, the people she's lost to are so, in my opinion, title contenders in the division. Jessica Andrade, who I think is probably Rose's next match, or uh, who I think is most improved in the division, Nina Asernoff. So, Angela Hill is right there. She's in that top six, top five to me, of girls. Like, she's in that top thrush of 115ers. I guess thrush isn't the right, a yeasty word to use for the women's division, <laughs> or any division for that matter, but uh, I like Angela Hill here. I think this is a good win on her, and um, I'm looking forward to watching her grow. I think she's a fun personality, too.
1: Minus 150 for Angela Hill. Again. I was falling
0: off for a little while, and now I'm back on. Nice. This is a nice, good fight for her. Anyway.
1: 8,500 on DraftKings for Hill against 7,000. Seven hundred for Casey. I think that's all in line. How much for angelo Eight thousand five hundred.
0: Yeah, I see I don't see a finish. Yeah, so. you agree.
1: So I think it's I do there. think it's
0: gonna slow up. I don't know. I don't think eight five is gonna be right at point I think it's gonna be not great point.
1: Bloated. Yeah, I agree. I'm not gonna profile this fight on my DraftKings much at all. But for the coming event, we have a banger. This one can easily be uh, fight of the night. We have Michael Johnson against Andre Touchy Feely. Feely coming in with an 18 and five record against 17 and 13 Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson, those losses have all been to top level competition. Habib, freaking, who else in there? Gaethje.
0: Are you s- kidding? Uh, Feely's beaten the Ultimate King, Artem Lobov.
1: The number one GOAT ever. 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 Andre Feely coming out of the Team Alpha Male camp. He's really been coming into his own at 28 years old. He had a couple hiccups in there. Um, but has really shown his toughness out a lot more. And it's really starting to show great, great kicks in there. Has always had a good takedown. On the ground, he's stifling. Andre Feely has gotten his gas tank under him and is a tough fight for anyone. Michael Johnson is in a three-fight losing streak, but it's against... Darren Elkins, Habib, and Justin Gaethje, who's in the main event in one of the fights of the year. Michael Johnson comes in there to bang, has good kickboxing, good takedown defense, but he can be out-wrestled. Again, it was Habib doing all that wrestling, but other guys have been able to hold Michael Johnson down. Andre Feely doesn't really do that much, so I do think that this is going to be a striker's delight. And the more dexterity in the feet by far is Andre Touchy Feely, And his movement, I think, is a little more alpha male style, where we see Michael Johnson set up that Florida style of kickboxing. Tons of power. When I
0: think alpha male style, I'm like, it's um, a perfect setup to get knocked out. Overhand, right? (laughs) (laughs) To get knocked out.
1: But uh, Andre Feely, again, I do think he's coming into his own. I really like him, and stylistically... This is just a really bad fight for anyone. Michael Johnson's not easy fight for anyone. At a minus 150, I think that's the right spot on right odds. I just think that when Feely has really been pushed backwards, he doesn't do well, and that's what Michael Johnson does really well, especially if he dinged you a little bit. Michael Johnson will jump all over you. That's why Michael Johnson has been in fights of the year potential is because he goes in there to sling, and he has a heavy, heavy right hand. I really... I am excited for this one. I'm really excited for this one. I could think this could profile a different UFC fight night. This and could I be another fight
0: of the night, whoop, contender. Whoop.
1: I got Johnson, TKO round number two. Slight favorite here. I like Feely too. There's no losers for me in here. I don't think either stock goes down. How do you feel this one goes up down? I
0: like everything you're saying. I think poor Michael Johnson, man. Darren Elkins is the sleeper of the division. Uh, Justin Gaethje, in my opinion, Michael Johnson had the hardest fight with him. He had his biggest layoff that Justin Gaethje's ever taken, that he was the freshest version of Justin Gaethje coming into the UFC. And then they have this crazy, where no one knew about Justin Gaethje. I mean, we all knew about Justin Gaethje's leg kicks. But... That fight was the best example. The- he used them. It's like he stayed with his game plan of using those leg kicks the most on Michael Johnson. Uh-huh. So it was just brutal, brutal that fight to watch. Um, but then uh, the other, uh, Khabib, come on, everybody knows about that. And he was actually the only guy to ever wobble,
1: Khabib. I'm actually willing to take the fight.
0: And then uh, Nate Diaz at his like best version of Nate Diaz. Right. Uh, which, that fight was a banger. Yep. Yeah, this is, an, I have Johnson KO round three, but now thinking about it, just the caliber of guys and the fight he's willing to put on, Michael Johnson needs to be considered one of those greats. And I love Feely. This is just too much, too much bite for him to have, he's not going to be able to chew this. And Michael Johnson needs a good win. I think Johnson is going to finish Feely. Johnson KO round two.
1: Whoa. So we have a decided spot
0: on usually yeah. when we I did have round 3 but I I the caliber of the guys that he's fought are just so incredible
1: When at lap be here when Lesbo and the Bean both agree on the round and style of stoppage it tends to be good prop money and uh you might get that round number 2 specifically prop bet inside the distance for Michael Johnson I do think he's going to have the um higher range though in that striking because a lot of people are seeing that Michael Johnson 8,700 on DraftKings against Feely 7-5 I think Feely might be a little bit of a play here for 7-5 though Johnson has to get that finish at 8-7 and I guess we do see that the real question is do I play Feely at all you got to let me know now because I'm going to mess up my night. If I put Feely on there or not. I, I don't think to... I'm
0: going to play Feely anywhere. Anywhere?
1: for seven Yeah. Five?
0: I, you know, I was thinking about it because I, everybody else just looks at this and they see those losses, but I just don't see that. If Feely can't do what Khabib did, then I just don't see him winning, but maybe alpha male knows that. Are they all of a sudden going to send Feely in to take down Michael Johnson for an entire fight? I don't think so.
1: Yeah. And
0: I, Michael Johnson knows the Alva male game plan. So, yeah, Johnson. I don't think they're paying attention to Philly too much. They're all worried about – and you're. it's not even like you're like, well, he's training with a champion. No, he's training with a guy that beat a guy that kind of got a dirty split with the real champion and no one really agreed with, and he got that belt way back when. Anyways, that was a deep long story (laughs) to put down Dominic Cruz. I didn't even know why I had to do that. (laughs) Michael Donson came around too.
1: (laughs) So then we go to the main event. We have Justin Gaethje, one of the premier fighters for the most, or premier top choices for most violent fighters in the UFC, comes out with a tenacious game plan, moves forward, puts his head down. Coming off of his first two losses ever, Coming in the UFC against Eddie Alvarez, then four months after that Dustin Poirier, four months after that he wants to get in there against James Vick, who notoriously 13 and one has been not been able to find fights like other fighters. He James Vick just always has people fall out or people just not want to sign a with him. And at 31 years old, he's in sitting in his prime at six foot three against Justin Gaethje, he's five eleven. Five inch reach advantage for Vic, but Vic does use a really good jab. Always underrated boxing. He was a golden gloves, has good wrestling, and uses his length well with those ninja chokes and just long limbs. Off of his back, he can be really nasty with triangles as well. James Vic coming out of that Lloyd Irving camp. Um good coaching. I've heard mixed reviews about it, but Lloyd Irving is always had guys that leave him, but they go on to be great fighters because the fundamentals that are taught there are still fundamental. So you can talk all the shit you want about the coach, but he's proven to show people the basics well. Justin Gaethje, we know what we're getting with this guy, puts his head down, throws kicks and punches, throws all sorts of dynamic stuff at the end of rounds, doesn't worry about his gas tank, Um, really goes for broken there in five rounds. It's rare that this guy goes to decision if people can keep up with those leg kicks. Mike or James Vick doesn't check the best leg kicks in the world. Being that tall and gangly, he tends to lean his back straight sometimes, his head back straight sometimes. And if you're not trying to throw an overhand right to catch that, the best lineup is a kick. So, stylistically on the feet, I think Vick is going to be in trouble in the first and second round here. The things that I really don't like about Gaethje, which I think everyone's saying is, you got knocked out brutally for the first time ever in your career within the year, and you're getting another fight against somebody who doesn't really knock people out, but has solid fundamentals in there. It's whether Vic can take the punishment that Poirier and Alves did, because Vic hasn't been Zach in a fight. Vic can knock people out. He's knocked everyone out. He's knocked three guys out, I think. Okay.
0: Yeah. And of recent, like in the last how many years?
1: Uh, TKO over Joe Duffy, which we had here. He decisioned Ronaldo. He TKO'd Polo Reyes. And then he had one before then. Those are two top guys, but I would say that Gaiche's Alvarez and Poirier are still top, higher level competition. And he didn't win. Yeah, true. True, true, true. Good point. Good point, good point.
0: He didn't look great. He hasn't looked great since Michael Johnson to me.
1: Right. So in this fight... I think with anybody who fights Justin Gaethje is whether you decide to brawl with him. And I think Gaethje does a good thing of making people brawl because of that forward pressure. But in the workups for this, James Vick has never one time said, yeah, dude, I'm going to whoop your ass and get in there in a fight. You're going to be punchy. Everything James Vick, to me, what he's saying is, I'm going to use my range, pick you apart and in five rounds, I'm going to knock your ass out where Gaethje is openly like, dude, Stop being a pussy and just brawl. Let's bang, bro. Let's bang. And it's just another check mark for me to decidedly put it in for Vic, even though I think Vic is going to come out of it with his bumps and bruises and cuts on his face. I do think that Justin Gaethje is just finding a little much too soon. He's making a money grab, and he's his health is definitely being affected from it. You can hear it in his slurred speech. You can... I think he's due to retire soon, especially after this next knockout. If not, have maybe two years off. Well, I
0: think he always said, he's like, I'm coming in this. I'm going to give you five fights and I'm out. I think he's always kind of said that since before the Michael Johnson fight. He's like, this is how many you get from me and I'm out.
1: I mean, everyone's been a main event.
0: Yeah, and he's gotten everything he's wanted from the UFC from it. He's like, you're going to get five amazing fights from me. I'll give you guys, you know, I want them to say they're the funnest fights ever. And we'll see.
1: So... Also, a potential fight of the night.
0: Uh, you know, I was thinking this is a fight of the year. This, how could you even say the other things are potential fight of the night if this one's a potential fight of the year? Is every you Justin Gaethje
1: fight a potential yeah. fight of the year? Right? He, I, it's he, must watch TV. Yeah, it's amazing. Must watch and TV. Vic is a
0: fun fighter to me. Yes. been picking apart someone on the outside, and he can knock someone out. I, I think I had Polaris in that fight against Vic, and I love. James yep. Vick. But, you know, we had him as the underdog, I think, against Ternaldo. Yep. And Ternaldo, punching style, you're, it's just as frightening as getting punched as with by Gaethje. Uh Gaethje can knock somebody out. Gaethje does have killer wrestling, and he rarely has to use it because everyone kind of knows about it. Yep. But the whole thing, in my opinion, that just has cost Justin Gaethje is for some reason he stopped kicking. We saw him kick, kick apart Michael Johnson's legs, yep. and then from that fight all the way to now, I think you can look progressively as each round goes on. If you take all the rounds of those fights, yep. and has thrown less and less kicks as he's been in the UFC, and I think that's a silly game plan, especially against a long lean guy like uh, James Vick. So, I think Justin Gaethje just too, too much, and it's kind of the same as everyone says. Um, Nick Newell, like, oh, he only lost to Justin Gaethje. He only lost to Justin Gaethje. Well, Justin Gaethje's only won one fight in the UFC.
1: (laughs) It's true, but those are high level guys. He's in there with, they're top fivers. Poirier and Alvarez are former champ, and, um, no, he's yeah, and he beat Michael Johnson, who is in top ten. As you're saying all of this, with the leg kicks. I don't know what I was picturing James Vick coming in with one of those long knees right up the middle because we saw Alvarez and Poirier land that knee with that tucked chin a few times. James Vick will throw that knee straight up the middle if he doesn't hit the body and the head's right there. I could see a gnarly finish as well. I have a decision so far. I might turn that into a finish as the fight embeds and everything goes on. Definitely stick close to the Twitter because we'll post out a couple... Just reviews, or I will personally, maybe a better two in the props. I, I like think James
0: Vick could pull out a submission. I think he finishes the that. fight.
1: What round he- would you say? Four. Later on?
0: Yeah. Because he is going to take his time. Because we haven't seen James Vick fight five rounds before. And so he doesn't know himself how much cardio he's going to have. So I think he's really going to have a slow pace, listen to his coaches, and let Justin Gaethje punch himself out.
1: So, 8,600 on DraftKings for James Vick, the slight favorite, at minus 160 against 7,600. Gaethje, minus 130, or plus 130. I don't... For a five-rounder, I could see myself putting Gaethje on a couple spots, especially if I see a decision and you see it later in the rounds. At Gaethje's pace, in his losses, he gets 40, 50, 60 points.
0: Yeah... I don't know, unless it happens fast. I can't believe James Vicks is such a favorite. (laughs) Yes, I can. Look how inflated everything is. It's like they're in my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so James Vick, I'm gonna put him on some things. I don't know about Justin Gaethje. I guess out of the low players, he's not even my favorite low guy. I think James Vick is gonna finish him, but I do think he's gonna take his time. I don't know how many punches Justin's gonna land.
1: This is, again, a must-watch TV.
0: It's going to be such a good fight.
1: I can't wait. It's been a little think break we've had. fun fights on this. Oh, yeah. We've a, we profiled quite a we few. we called
0: a few. This could be fight of the night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and definitely the main event is a must-watch, whatever way you can get to it.
0: There's a good chance, if you're a betting person, that there is something on this fight card that will be considered for, is this one of the best fights of the year?
1: Definitely. I think Kansas has a potential for cards of the year.
0: Lincoln, Nebraska.
1: Lincoln. You're like somewhere
0: in there. Somewhere in America. Somewhere in that bread basket.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So if you're following us on the gram as well, check out our freaking James Vicks posts and stuff. I thought we had some good fan art posting as of late. Definitely smiling and profiling. Um, Yeah, follow us
0: wherever you want. And make sure you're telling a friend, liking and subscribing. And thank you for listening. Let's go to the bean. Thanks for listening to Lat Be. For all things Lesbo and the Bean, head over to lesboandthebean.com or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.